Welcome to Slaking Thirst, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. Friends, good morning. Deacon Rich and I were saying at the beginning of Mass, we're looking out, we're like, this is a packed Mass. It's like, you know, it's not Christmas, you know, right? It's not, all right. It's just so awesome. It's really awesome to have uh, just a church full of people. I love it. All right. So here we are, first Sunday of Lent. Every first Sunday of Lent, whether it's year A, B, or C in the cycle of readings, we always start our Lenten journey on Sunday with the uh, temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. We always follow the Lord out into the wilderness to witness this, this battle that he has with the enemy. And just like so many things in our Catholic faith, th- I think this is one of those particular Gospels that we're just so used to picturing in a particular way, interpreting in a particular way that, I mean, because so much of our life is, is ritual and routine and we move through things cyclically that we kind of get into mental ruts, right? And we think about things in a particular way. And I think this Gospel is one of those examples. But what I want to do this morning for homily this morning is I want to share uh, a very different perspective uh, on this gospel, on this battle between the enemy and Jesus in the wilderness. It's not, it's not my perspective. It's, uh, it's the perspective of the church fathers. So I, uh, I was reading a lot of the church fathers this week. I have this ancient Christian commentary uh, in my office, and it is packed with some amazing things. Origen, Chrysostom, Ambrose, you know, Augustine. Over and over again, I was surprised to see they all have a very similar interpretation of what Jesus is doing in the wilderness. In a word, he's, he's going to war. He's going to war, which is a very different interpretation that I'm used to hearing. So I was praying with those, those uh, texts from the church fathers, and then earlier this week, I was sitting in my room, and I uh, uh, started watching the movie Braveheart. Braveheart was on TV. Anybody watch, seen Braveheart before? Raise your hand nice and high. Who's seen Braveheart? All right, great. So Braveheart. All right, William Wallace. Uh, so if you've never seen the movie, I don't know where you've been. came out in 95. Spoiler alert, I guess, but come on now. All right, so William Wallace, played by Mel Gibson, he's the freedom fighter, the, the leader of the rebels in Scotland. He's leading this band of uh, soldiers against the English, uh, against the armies of William de Longshanks, who, Edward de Longshanks, who wants to, uh, yeah, they're, they're maintaining control of Scotland. They want their freedom. So uh, William Wallace, he comes to, the, there, it's this great climactic battle. He's, he's just roused the troops with his great Sons of Scotland speech. It's so, oh man, it's so, I can hear the bagpipes in my head right now. So he's just roused them with this amazing speech, and uh, you've got the English army on the other side of the battle, on the other side of the field. They're way better armed, better trained. They've got mounted cavalry. They're, they've never been defeated. And you've got the, English, or the Scottish on the other side. They look like a bunch of ragtag farmers. They've got pitchforks and clubs and swords. You're like, this is not going to go well. So uh, the English commanders, they ride out into the center of the field to uh, offer terms to the Scottish nobles. The Scottish nobles, they ride out to the middle of the field. And they're, you're thinking they're going to make some peace treaty, some peace agreement. Well, William sees this happening, and he starts riding out. And his friend Hamish says, where are you going? And then William says, I'm going to pick a fight. It's a pretty good Scottish accent, right? Come on now. <laughs> I'm going to pick a fight, right? I'm going to pick a fight. And he does. He rides out there, and the battle ensues. The battle ensues. That was the image that kept coming to my mind this week as I was praying with this gospel, right? You have Jesus in Luke's gospel. Scripture says that he gets baptized by John in the Jordan River. 
The spirit, the heavens rip open, the spirit descends upon him in the form of a dove. The father declares, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And then immediately it picks up where we have today and filled with the Holy Spirit, he moves directly into the wilderness for these 40 days. To these 40 days. And if anybody were to have asked Jesus, where, where are you going? He would have responded in his Galilean Scottish accent, uh, I'm going to pick a fight. Right? That's what he would have said, because that's what he was doing. Friends, we have to be very clear about who Jesus is and what he's doing in these 40 days in the wilderness. This is not, this is not Jesus being like, he just had this powerful spiritual experience in the Jordan. He's like, I just need some quiet time to be alone. Like, me and my father, I just need some me time, right? It's not like, we know, I know we talk about Lent as this, this retreat, but Jesus in the wilderness, he's not going on retreat. He's not pulling back. He's not having some me time, some alone time to get clarity on his mission. It's not just him and his father. That's not what he's doing. It's not as though he's out there serenely meditating, and then in the end he just gets ambushed by the enemy. Like, oh, what is the devil? I didn't even think he was out here, right? Like, that's not what's happening. Like, Jesus, the God-man, God-made flesh, he is unveiling his identity and announcing himself to the foe. He's unveiling his identity, and he's confronting the enemy. Like That's how he understands his mission. Right before the passion, he says, now is the time. Now is the judgment on this world. And he says, now is the ruler of this world. That's how he describes the enemy. Now is the ruler of this world to be cast out. In 1 John, it says, the reason the Son of Man appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus is not like this soft-handed, very, you know, like, cool first century Mr. Rogers guy who's just like, just get along, be nice. He's the ultimate warrior. He's the ultimate warrior. He's come, he's he, like, it's baptized, and he marches directly into the enemy's territory to announce himself. That's what the desert is. The desert is enemy-occupied territory. It's the devil's domain, right? When the Lord created heaven and earth, when he made this earth, he made this earth paradise. And when the devil intervenes, he turns the paradise into a desert, into a howling wasteland of misery and lifelessness. And so Jesus, the new Adam, marches directly into the devil's domain to turn the paradise-turned-desert back into, he's come to reclaim it for his father, to re-irrigate that land with the plow of his cross, with the shedding of blood from his body and the mercy of his heart. He's come to turn the desert back into paradise to turn the, the, the tomb back into a womb, to transform death into life. That's what he's doing. Like he's not wandering aimlessly into the desert to be alone with his father on retreat, only to have himself like sideswiped by the devil. He's going in there confidently, almost to taunt the enemy, right? To pick a fight. I'm going to pick a fight. Remember this scene, like... He goes into the synagogue in Nazareth and says he unrolls the scroll from Isaiah. And he begins to preach. He begins to read from the scroll. He says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me. When? At his baptism, right? He has anointed me to bring glad tidings to the poor, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to proclaim release to prisoners, sight to the blind, to announce a year of favor to the Lord. Do you know, when does he do that? He does it immediately upon his return from the desert. So immediately upon his return from the desert, 
I'm sure he ate a ton of food. And then he goes to Nazareth. Then he goes right into the synagogue, unrolls the scroll, and announces this. I imagine, as I was praying this week, as I pictured Jesus in the wilderness, I pictured him saying those words over and over again that he read from Isaiah over and over again in the wilderness. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring glad tidings to the poor. And he's like looking at the enemy in the eye to bring release to the captives. Yes, your captives. It's as if Jesus is saying... I have come for them. I've come for them. Like they are precious to me. Your days, he's saying to him, your days are numbered for these souls. They are mine, and I've come to reclaim them for my Father. He's be- the battle is beginning. The battle is beginning. It's going to reach its climactic crescendo on the cross when Jesus looks Satan in the eye and says, it is finished. Again, this is where... Like, don't hear Jesus saying very meekly and mildly and desperately, like, it is finished. Oh, I give up. He's looking at Satan in the eye saying, it is finished. Like, your reign, your claim on them, your dominion is finished. You're done. You're defeated. Or this verse from Isaiah, I picture Jesus saying this over and over again in the desert, this from Isaiah. Can the prey be taken from the mighty or the captives of a tyrant be rescued? Surely, thus says the Lord, even the captives of the mighty shall be taken, and the prey of the tyrant shall be rescued. Then he says this, for I will contend with those who contend with you. This is what the Lord is doing. Like the same, the same reason that an angel army appears in the heavens when the baby king is born in Bethlehem, that's what happens, right? The angels are in the heavens. It's not just some, like, angel church choir, like... It's an angel army. That's the word that Luke uses, a whole stratios, an army of angels. The same reason an army of angels appears in the beginning is the same reason that he marches into the wilderness to confront our foe. The battle is beginning. And look at how he's armed. Look at what the weapons that he has, right? He doesn't take with him like these big machines or these big weapons that we would have that we would surround ourselves with. He takes with him the weapon of poor humanity, He fights in a way that's so bizarre. He fights with human fatigue and exposure and exhaustion and hunger and thirst and and total dependency on his father. He stays so little, trusting entirely on his father. Do you hear that over and over again in this confrontation that he has with the devil? He knows his father. He knows who he is. And he can totally trust his father. Because this is how love fights. Love fights with vulnerability and humility. Just as the baby king, the baby king was swaddled and lying in the manger in the beginning, just as the king again will be vulnerable, naked, and exposed on the cross, he he marches into the wilderness to begin the battle. To begin the battle. The campaign is on. You know, in a few weeks, we're going to be meditating on the words from Exodus, the God's mighty deliverance of the Israelites from slavery to Pharaoh into the promised land. And there's that unbelievable scene where the Egyptian army is barreling down behind the Israelites at the shore of the Red Sea. And God says to the people through Moses, he says, you only have to stand still for your God will fight for you today. And then he says, you see all these Egyptians? In other words, you see all these powers of darkness, you see all these foes, you see all this evil. The Lord says, you will never see them again after today. That's what he's doing. He's fighting. 
He's fighting for you. Jesus is not haplessly wandering. He is beginning the battle because he knows he has to come and reclaim you and me. Like you and I, my friends, like Jesus' march into the wilderness it has everything to do with our hearts because our hearts also contain desert. Right? If the desert is the devil's domain, there, we carry in ourselves, all of us, little pockets, little places where we keep God out. Which is another word of saying, another way of saying, we carry within ourselves little pockets of hell. Little places of the devil's domain where we've kept the Lord out. And today in this Mass, Jesus is marching in and he's saying, will you let me enter? He doesn't come meekly. He doesn't come weakly. He comes with so much power. But he begs, he he asks, will you let me in? So our prayer today, Jesus, like, enter the desert of my heart where I have cooperated with sin. Where I have fled from my humanity. Where I have preferred bread to the word of God. Where I have preferred comfort and pleasure to your promises. Where I have preferred power like enter into Lord Lord enter into the desert of my life where I am a willing captive of the enemy he's fighting for you he's fighting for you friends this the our Lenten journey has begun and this first Sunday Jesus is announcing the beginning of the battle he's announcing the rescue he's announcing his he's announcing his identity to the enemy it's as if he's going up to the prison bars He's rattling the prison bars, and he's saying to our enemy, he's saying to, this, he's saying to Satan, I have come to pick a fight, and you're not going to win. Amen.